Mark Kong, it's so good to see you, man. It's been Thanks, forever. Brian. Yeah, yeah, excited to be here. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you're coming from now El Paso, Texas. You left yep. Colorado Springs. Yeah, El Paso is where I call home now. You so, do? Yeah. Man, I, I can't wait to hear about your experience in El Paso because you were at Colorado Springs and then now El Paso. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you? Springs definitely has a beat in a lot of a lot of facets, but hope so, hope El Paso, so. I have a soft spot for El Paso. So. No, without a doubt. Uh, well, I'm glad you're back here in Colorado Springs because we're going to talk about something special. We're going to talk about duty, honor, and real estate. And the reason we're talking about that is because you and I were both veterans in the Army, and we both transitioned out to do real estate. Yeah. And to have you on, I think, is so special because of our history and everything we've done together. And I can't wait to share your story through this Q&A. So, yeah. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Oh, of course. Like I'm, I'm just too excited. I want to get right into it. So yeah. talk about how, I mean, you've had a bit of a journey. And so imagine from West Point, Afghanistan, mm -hmm. to where you are now. Like, just give the audience, like, you know, a preface of that. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's interesting, right? Um, I remember graduating from West Point and being here. Unfortunately, I didn't understand real estate at all. Didn't understand the power of it. So I wish I bought as a second lieutenant coming straight out of West Point, right? Like you can get your certificate of eligibility and like before you even graduate, right? And be under contract for a house. Uh, I didn't know any of that. And so it, it, I had a late start. Like if I could go back and do one thing, it would be buy real estate earlier and, and more often. So I didn't even buy my first house till I was a first lieutenant. I was headed to ranger school and um, my roommate had bought in a house and I lived with him. And then I just wanted to buy a house, rent out the rooms, kind of house hack. And so I went under contract actually right before going to RASP. I closed with the power of attorney. A good friend of mine signed for me. And um, I ended up closing in, not RASP, I'm sorry, in uh, RTAC is what mm -hmm. it's called, pre-ranger. And then I was gone at ranger school for four and a half months. And I had owned a house for four months by the time I came back, which is crazy. So I kind of house hacked that house for a while. Now, fast forward, when I sold that house over two years later, um, I sold it. Obviously, if you own or occupy a house for two years, tax exemption, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And so my net proceeds was around $140,000 tax-free, which I, I used part of that to buy the assisted living facility, which is now kind of like my more passive income you know, thing that allowed me to get mm -hmm. out of the Army and kind of pursue what I'm doing now with the mortgage company. So it's just really interesting when you're a lieutenant, right? If, if I look back, what, what would you tell a lieutenant if they're like, oh, I have extra time, I want to work hard, what should I do to make extra money? Like, what would you tell them now? I mean, right now we tell them real estate. Right, right. I had extra time. You know what I started with? What? I drove for Uber. <laughs> you, you know what I started with? What? Being a bouncer. You were a bouncer, <laughs> right? Because you, had, you had extra time. You had extra time. You're like, yeah. the Army's going to pay me regardless of how good I do. They're going to pay me the same. Yeah. And so you, what did you do after bouncing, right? Because there was probably well, a couple things before. Well, after, after bouncing, I met Lana. Okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, that story. Right, yeah. yeah. So yeah. bouncing and then real estate. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So for me, it was Uber and then real estate. So nice. we're, we're honestly probably pretty lucky to have only done like one kind of low income activity thing before transitioning to real estate. Because I think a lot of people bounce around to different things. No, that is true. And it's funny you, you talk about it. You hit so many important things that I think all veterans who are actively serving are thinking mm -hmm. of. Right. Like, should I invest in real estate? 
Mm-hmm. Um, should I do a side gig? Right. You know, because they're yearning for something more. Mm-hmm. And uh, what's that quote where it's like, it's not about starting. It's about the fact that you did start. Like everyone talks about, oh, I wish I could have started earlier. Mm-hmm. But you started when you started and your right. trajectory has been fine. Right. Right. And yeah. so, no, I think that's, that's it's something to highlight that it's just just to start. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, you know, trying to figure out it, that 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 satisfy the to satisfy that what should I do more? I should yeah. be doing something more. Sure. Yeah. Another interesting point on that is, you know, they say when's the right, right time to buy or when's the best time to buy? And it's like, oh man, I should have bought a house in uh, you know, three years ago. I should have should have bought a house when interest rates were two point five. Mm-hmm. And we both know like real estate is here to stay. The best time to buy was two years ago, but that's that's in the past. The best time to buy is today. Mm-hmm. Right, just like the best time to get started is today, and um, I think a lot of people miss that because a lot of people, especially, we're seeing buyers now mm-hmm. that are sitting on the sidelines, and they don't realize affordability is probably only going one direction in the U.S. and it's not in a favorable direction. And so, you know, I'm glad that I didn't get stuck in the fact that hey, I wish I started earlier. You know, you start when you start. Same thing for first-time home buyers, right? It's like you start when you start, right? One of my favorite memes is like that meme. Uh, that you'll see on like Instagram or whatever that's like, man, my biggest mistake in life was not buying 30 rentals in 2008 when I was in the eighth grade. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's a great yeah, yeah. me, right? But like, it just points to the fact that, you know, we can't go back and like, you know, how many rentals did you buy in 2008? Um, Zero. <laughs> it's funny, I have a crazy story with that because I was at West Point in 2008. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. At Cal Loan. And one of my. You tried my, to do something with it? No, my best man <clears throat> at my wedding, his name is Jamal Robinson. You know, shout out to Jamal. He, um, he told us, he's like, yo, New York City's falling apart. Yeah. Let's go get a brownstone. We could put our Cal Loan together. Sure. Instead, you know what I bought? A Dodge Charger. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> so, so yeah, I mean, the, you know, it's funny because people talk about being on the sidelines. It's probably two things. They're either they're, they're scared, mm-hmm. so it takes courage to right. make money, right. or they're not educated. Sure. And, and I would say not educated because they're, they're not competent. It's like the awareness. And so being aware usually comes from your curiosity or it comes from people who you hang out with. Yeah. So the more people you hang out with with that are driven, the more opportunities you're probably going to come come and experience. Right. And so that's part of the reason why we're doing this is yeah. to create more awareness through our own stories. And so no, that's that, it's just incredible journey. And you, you only gave a Costco free sample. Sure. Yeah. So so really, how I got started is I was so fixated. I, I drink. I, I drank the army Kool Aid. I would say I was so fixated on getting a ranger school, trying to get into a ranger regiment as an MI guy, mm-hmm. um, that I really didn't focus on real estate. Right? I, I had bought in a house, um, and then really the army just kept shutting that door in different ways, which is funny looking back on it. Different people, right? Like people rotate in and out of seats. Your brigade commander will rotate, and there's always someone to kind of tell you no. So it was really a blessing in disguise looking back on it. But the Army just kept shutting the door to kind of what I wanted to do in the Army. And every time I would just take a a further step into real estate. And so I had bought my first house with a realtor. I told myself, hey, I'm going to teach myself, you know, how to buy off market. So I bought my first house off market, going on Zillow, clicking on the blue pre-foreclosures, and then going on white pages and trying to, like, find these guys. 
And uh, I ended up buying my first house off market. It appraised $53,000 under, um, or correction, it appraised $53,000 over the purchase price. And, you know, there's no realtor fees and he was happy. And then my mom told an old family friend that I was kind of trying to get into real estate back home in Sacramento. And I got super lucky here because my mom was just like, oh, you're in real estate. He's in real estate thinking like we're probably on the same level and introduced me to this, uh, to kind of reintroduce me to Kevin because we had kind of grown up. Um, yeah, we had kind of, I was a little kid when he was like, you know, college and, and a young professional. So we definitely knew who each other were, but um, I went and visited my family and spent about three days with him before deploying. And he just opened Pandora's box for me. He's like, come spend three days with me. I show up, he's working out of like a, 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 a church room that he was using as an office, like super minimal setup. He had about 10 cold callers from the Philippines that he paid about $4 an hour that were dialing for him. Instead of going the niche route and like just targeting, you know, s certain distressed homeowners, he was calling every single homeowner in Sacramento County. Wow. You know, low equity, high equity, doesn't matter equity. He was dialing everyone, right? Hey, do you want an offer on your house? Hey, do you want a cash offer in your house? So he's running this whole operation. And I'm like, what is skip tracing? How do you get people's phone numbers? How do you hire people in the Philippines? What dial are you using? And he shows me all of it. And so I actually started dialing for him. I was like, hey, Kevin, I'm going to call for you for, you know, I was like six months. And then I want to go try to copy paste your business model. And after about not even a month, he's like, hey, Mark, I don't want you to call, cold call for me anymore. Like, go do I just want to see you be successful. He's like, total go giver. Um, and so, you know, I got signed up with uh, IDI core, skip trace, uh, you know, skip tracing sellers. I kind of tried to find my own niches because I didn't have the budget to dial every homeowner in El Paso County and uh, started dialing myself and hired just two VAs that were uh, from the Philippines as well and, you know, started calling. And um, that was, I actually kind of did that all while in Afghanistan, a little bit of it, right? Just a little bit. And I closed my first off-market deal actually using a pipeline and skip trace data 22 days after getting back from Afghanistan. And you were actually a big part of that transaction too. Um, so pretty crazy. So 22 days from Afghanistan, right? I had my hot leads to follow up with when I got back from Afghanistan that like, you know, you kind of have to close in person. And one of them accepted my offer for 100K you know, obviously that's yeah. a story. Um, you introduced yeah. me to, to the to to the buyer yeah. who is a, a client and of yours. She buys it for one seventy five, um, and that was that was my first real deal where I actually got paid as a wholesale. And from there I flipped. But yeah, that's, that mean, was kind there, of a start. There's just so much in there that I mean, I I have to sum it up really for the, for the people. If you think about it, your family your mother was thinking about you. Yeah. So that's incredible to hear that like generations before are like, I'm going to connect you with someone. I think you yeah. could do this. Right. So I thought that was really cool. Yeah. But then the likelihood of you getting a mentor mm -hmm. really mm -hmm. from an introduction is right. rare in itself. Right. And on, on that note though, real quick, I always try to give Kevin so much credit. Right. Mm -hmm. And every time I do, you know what he tells me? What? He says, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Oh, wow. And Dang. so like every time I try to tell Kevin like, hey, you changed my life. Like you showed me how to buy off market. He's like, hey, 
when the student's ready, the teacher will appear, right? Like when, when someone, and I truly believe that, right? There's, there's been people that have come to me for advice on buying off market. Some have taken, taken it and ran with it and surpassed what I've done. Mm -hmm. And some, you know, haven't at all. So, yeah. yeah. No, that's incredible because, so the family introduced you to mentor. The mentor is telling you when the student is ready. And you were ready because you were what? Willing to take action. You know, and one, he kind of pushed you because he was like, hey, I'm not going to teach you no more. I want you to be successful. And so you took it. And I mean, look, 22 days after you get back from war, you close on an incredible deal. And yes, I mean, from my understanding, that was the first deal you and I have been together and the first deal I thought you did. And it was incredible because I think the payout was, what, 75 Gs? Yeah, know? yeah. So before tax, but it was still amazing. Right. Uh, but that was incredible just to show how like, a family leads to a mentor, mentor leads to action, action leads to now building a, a bigger network. Right. Which is which is incredible because what what it what I think what what really in that first deal shows like like you took action and, and like I was saying before, you have to have courage to take action. You know, yeah. there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of unknowns that you don't know. So like, you know, when veterans are transitioning from civilian life and in this case, it was your first deal, but, you know, eventually you came to your, your civilian life. Um, what are some of your experiences with this and how did real estate help in that transition? You know, because transitioning is scary, but I imagine as you complement your experience with real estate while you were in, in preparation to leave, it had to help you, right, in transition. So, right. Did real estate help you? How did it help you? What are some experiences that helped you in the VA transition? Yeah. So I think two important things with transitioning are financial stability. Mm -hmm. And probably more important than financial stability is something that you're excited to wake up about for, especially as veterans, right? I mean, we, I remember sharing with you some things, getting back from Afghanistan and you sharing with me Hey, Mark, when I got back from my deployment, I didn't get out of bed for damn near a month. Yeah. And uh, so I think, yeah, financial stability is huge, but also just having something to wake up for and like feeling that drive, right? That drive that we felt as cadets, that drive that we felt as junior officers that typically wears out for uh, kind of, you know, <laughs> we see wear out for a lot of field grades and, and beyond, right? It definitely wore out for me. Right. Once I pin captain and, you know, you're turning slides from red to green and, and just kind of going through the motions. So, you know, without what I'd done in real estate, I don't think I would have had the financial stability to get out. I think I would have been kind of a caged animal in that sense. And then also having something that you're super excited about. Right. Real estate has changed my life. And at this point, I think most of what I do today is help other people buy real estate. And I think it'll be life changing for them as well. Whether it's just them buying their first house or kind of buying a first house and going beyond that, right? The invitation's always there. So, um, you know, from the houses I flip and stuff like that, I was able to buy the assisted living facility in California. And, you know, when you talk about having income to replace your, your nine to five income, that's huge. And it allows you to kind of go to your next thing. So, you know, everyone has their own progression. And for me, flipping houses enabled me to buy the assisted living facility and get some passive income. And having the assisted living facility and some passive income is then, you know, a lot of people think like, oh, I just want 10K passive income, then I'm done, right? 
But really what that does is it, it enables you to figure out, okay, well, what else do I want to do with my life, right? So now I have that and it's like, okay, well, now I want to start a mortgage company that gives veterans the best rates and takes over as the number one mortgage company in the world, right? Or, or in the US, I should say, right? So that's like my new goal. Um, but without, without the assisted living facility, I wouldn't be able to focus on that new goal. And I'm sure, you know, once I'm feel like I'm done there, I'll, I'll step into a new goal too, right? So, you know, the name of the company is Evolution Mortgage for a reason, right? You That's should always right. be getting better. You should always be, um, you know, it's, it's a mix between kind of doubling down and grinding with, with what you're doing, not like having, um, you know, um, shiny object syndrome, but also, you know, evolving, getting better every day. And I think moving your goals as, as your progress moves, so. Oh, I love it. I mean, there's, it's, it's so great to hear that. Because, you know, like you mentioned, when I got out, I was like, I had a certain expectation. Yeah. And I had to really quickly realize that that expectation really wasn't to my potential. Mm. That's why I was probably so conflicted. And what's interesting is I think you're hitting on like the ability to serve again, right? Uh, because that's what, what's unique about real estate is because we're dealing with habitats, people, you know, people's lives are happening, business activities are happening. And so it's really refreshing to hear that, like, you need to find something that gets you excited to wake up for, right. to continue that purpose driven, but also stability, because, you know, when we were in the army, you know, we were obviously taken care of by Uncle Sam. And, you know, we had a paycheck, we knew when it was coming in, we had yeah. our 30 days of leave, quote, quote, right? right. But we're always afraid, because that's all we knew. We all, all we knew mm -hmm. was that we mm -hmm. had a check coming in, mm -hmm. but we know we're bigger for something else. And real estate is literally, to me, I feel like real estate fits that, that uniqueness that we need as veterans to get out, get stability through all those different ways, flipping, rental properties, buying bigger properties, now mortgage. I mean, there's so many ways to serve again and still have stability. So... I mean, that, that, that story, this little excerpt right here is enough to like show that it can happen. Yeah. And I imagine through these experiences, you probably have gained some really unique skills. And I would say not even skills, but like perspectives, because you probably right. see the world so much different than you were as a lieutenant or captain or whatever. Right. And it, it's just interesting because we, you know, you could say generally the person transitioning will be a junior military officer, <clears throat> a young NCO. You know, it's hard to find those 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 careerists that get out and then jump right in. We we know a couple, Dave Abrams, he's done a, a great job, right. you know, at a at a you know full The unicorn. Job. The yeah. unicorn, you yeah. know, but that's why we celebrate him so much, right? <laughs> yeah, because yeah, he's yeah. so There's different. Hope. He's so different than the majority of people that make it to that that pay grade. And, you know, they've lost their fire. Mm. They've lost, they've mm. lost that, 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 you know, what's the saying? The twinkle in the eye. Yeah, twinkle in the eye. eye yeah. Tiger or something. Right. Yeah. 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 But, but like, because, you know, you've had this journey and like, you know, using Dave Abrams as an example, uh, but what are these unique skills and perspectives that you have gained through real estate that probably veterans um, brings to the table in real estate now? Right, your experiences in the military, and now your experience in real estate. When you mesh that together, there's probably so much value that you bring to the real estate world. Would you agree? Right. Or do, you know. Yeah, yeah. I think I, I don't 
maybe appreciate it as much as I should mm, from that's a good on one. a day to day. That's a good one. And I also think it could kind of um, it could kind of hurt not hurt you, but you also have to take a step back from that experience and from all your lessons learned to depending on the mission, if you will, depending on what you're doing on a day to day activity to best serve who you're working with. So for example, me being a loan officer, a lot of what I do is work with first time home buyers, you know, and I'm like, oh yeah, you know, earnest money, $3,500, you know, just wired in, right? Like it's easy for me to be very nonchalant and realize like this is the biggest financial decision of their lives, right? And I'm like, oh, inspection looks good, right? Just, yeah, just move forward, right? But like it's a very big and very emotional uh, transaction, right? For even if they're not first, if they're second, third time home buyers. So yeah, I'm sure you can identify with this too of needing to take a step back sometimes and and being able to really empathize with whoever you're working with because just depending on what you're doing, right? Like being like, oh yeah, I, I own X amount of properties or I've closed X amount of deals. Like, is it really helpful for, for what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis? And like us still being in the service industry, right? Like me as loan officer, you as an active agent, um, it, it's kind of two-sided. You have that, that experience and, and all those deals and, and big deals, right? Um, but if you're, if you're helping a second-time homebuyer captain buy, right, you know, being like, oh, I've, I've closed a multi-million dollar deal, right, isn't super helpful. So, yes, I think, I think we do have a lot of experience and perspective that is helpful, but only if we are kind of disciplined in, in, in remaining empathetic to who we're working with because I think it could just as easily be a, um, something that takes away from our ability to empathize with our clients. No, that's um, that's probably the core, you know, mm -hmm. that instead of like getting into like specific skills and perspectives, you know, mm -hmm. because you said it right in the beginning. You're like, I failed to be appreciative of really what I have learned, right? Um, I, if you're able to essentially do like an AAR action action sure. after review, right, yeah. of the situation, because you got to apply what you know to whatever you're doing in real estate, in your case, lending. But at the end of the day, it goes back to em being empathetic, really getting down to human dignity, I think. Because when we're officers or NCOs, you're a leader. Who are you empathizing with? Your soldiers. Right. You know, you're, even your, your, your superiors, your peers, your, mm -hmm. your subordinates, all that. You're empathizing with each other, you know, because at the end of the day, the decisions you make – are going to affect their lives. Like you were saying, first time home buyer, huge financial yeah. you know, risk. Yeah. And, and it's crazy because the military throws so many experiences at you in such a short time, mm -hmm. you, you begin to forget like, well, this is serious stuff. And then if you fail to transition into the civilian world and think about like, oh, this is a serious stuff. Yes, you jumped out of planes. Yes, you were a ranger, uh, but you gotta go into their foxhole. And no, I think you hit it on the head of just how important, like, to appreciate what you learned in the Army, put that overlay over the situation, and then really empathize because, I mean, human dignity is so important. Now, enough about all that. You know, let's get into the, the trenches, right? And the trenches is because it looks like you started flipping, mm -hmm. and that flipping gave you the assisted living, and then now you're a mortgage officer, but 
share us because I'm sure people people listening want to hear what was the most challenging home flipping experiences uh, or what was one and how you overcame it because I imagine it was very memorable you know and it was mm-hmm. something that led to success yeah so I really was lucky to have never lost money flipping a home Ooh, so that's a fact never lost money so I also passed on a lot of deals I only bought deals that were directly off market from direct to seller, right? If someone brings me a quote unquote deal and I, all I have to ask to see if it's potentially a deal or not, are how'd you get the deal? Oh, you got it from an investor friendly agent. <laughs> oh, you got it from a wholesaler, right? And I'm talking off market, right? There's yeah. plenty of great on market stuff, right? Like you could crush it buying you know, on market, but I'm talking about off market, you know, I'm trying to get a, a deal. You, you know, I once had someone who brought me a deal to analyze and it was through a new Western person oh, yeah. who got it from an agent from, I think there was two agents of all, it was like daisy chain, daisy chain, like multiple times. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like everyone's getting their share of the meat on the bone and you don't have a deal, unfortunately. The biggest unfortunate part is that he closed it and didn't work out well. Um, But fortunately, I bought very, very conservatively. And I always made sure I was buying off-market at a discount. So when you have that, you could run into a 30K hiccup, you know, 30K surprise. And you're like, oh shoot, I'm, I'm making 20K now instead of 50K darn, right? And so if you're going to be a newbie and learn, the best way to learn is with the smoking hot deal because you can mess up the rehab, you could kind of mess up your listing a little bit, and you can, you can make multiple mistakes and you have that buffer. If you buy your first flip house off the MLS and you make a lot of mistakes, that's probably the last house you're going to flip because you're going to freak out. Yes. You know, your your spouse is going to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I let you do that. This is not going to work out well for you. So luckily, I didn't have a big uh, kind of hurdle to overcome flipping. I would say the assisted living facility went, you know, the assisted living facility had way more difficulties than I was expecting. Running any business that's 24-hour operations is super intense. I mean, you got to think like even a daycare, right? Like kids go home and like, you know, like what happens is this living facility if like nighttime caregiver doesn't show up and now you're, you know, your operator's pulling like 24 hour shift. It's insane, right? Now with this living facility, yes, you know, clients are willing to pay five to 10,000 per month. And so your revenue can be very high, but running 24 operation facility is, is super intense. I would not recommend someone go into assisted living. A lot of people that are like, hey, I want to do assisted living. I'm like, you probably don't. You just don't know it yet. So assisted living facility, it's also a hard business because it's a business where you can lose money very quickly. Uh, You know, if you have vacancy, right? Because you're paying your staff, you're paying your your building expense. And, you know, if, if you have three residents move out and you have a small facility that's huge, you know, that can cut your income in half. So um, that was really rough. To do something like that, I would say, if I had to give someone advice on assisted living, I'd say buy a facility that's already running 
where you don't have to rebrand, remodel, and then try to build a business from scratch because during that whole time, licensing, et cetera, you're bleeding cash. Um, secondly, I would say if you can stay away from anything that's 24 hour, right, definitely do so. Um, and then thirdly, if you want to do it, if you want to do assisted living, you're like, no, it's a challenge. I love it. 24 hour, you know, 24 hour ops, you know, and it is very rewarding financially too. It can be. Um, but I would say have a big runway as far as savings and, uh, money you're able to lose investing in it, right. While your business builds, you got to build your reputation, et cetera, have a big runway because if you don't, it can get really ugly very quickly. No, I mean, that's just crazy. I mean, I, what I love about you, I call you King Kong, you know, Mark King Kong, uh, because you come in like slamming in, you know, and, uh, you talk about like starting with a smoking hot deal. And sometimes I would say it's pretty hard for people to come with like a grand slam. I mean, you know, they may not have that family that introduces to the mentor where sure. you take action and then boom, you have a network and so forth. Um, but I think you hit it on the nail where you're like, you know, you need to be conservative. And if you're yeah. conservative in your assumptions, right, and you're doing the due diligence, you will reduce your risk in the event something happens. So I think that's I think that's very key for people to understand that you need to do something that gets you onto the base that's conservative. Because if you do have that mishap, yeah, you probably are never going to come back because you get yeah. PTSD, you get scarred financially, and you're just like, I don't know if I can do it. Yeah, you and, know? and a lot of people want to be conservative with the time and effort they put into finding deals and then want to be liberal when it comes to making an offer and closing something, <laughs> right? Versus yeah. it's like, no, you got to be super liberal with how hard you're willing to work to find that deal because it's not going to be easy. You know, I say you don't, uh, I heard this from someone else, but you don't find deals, you make them, right? And that's not just wholesaling, that's not just off market. Any sort of difficult commercial deal that you've closed, you didn't just find it. No, you didn't just, just, you didn't just yeah. find it on CoStar. Oh, I just found this deal on CoStar and I'm closing it and making a million dollar check on this, uh, you know, on this. Yes. Uh, no, no, you don't find deals. Same thing goes, you know, you have to solve high level problems to get paid high level checks whether it's wholesaling a single family house or closing a large multifamily deal. And um, I think, you know, it's easy to see someone flipping houses and all us house flippers and real estate people are so guilty of showing the highlight reel, right? Cause I I'll post on, Oh, like uh, look at these before and after pictures. Like I don't post of like how many hours my cold callers dialed. Yeah, of course. Right. I mean, yeah. and, and not that I should either. Right. But like, when people see the highlight reel, you just, you have to be super aware that like that is the highlight reel and just don't underestimate the amount of work that goes into it. And then if you see someone's highlight reel and you're like, oh, I want to do that. Well, be ready for the rest of the iceberg, right? How many people are like, oh, Brian, like I want to be a commercial real estate agent. Well, like, do you want the rest of the iceberg? Uh, no, like so. what I just dealt with. Right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. The phone call you're just on. Yeah. It's just, it's challenging. And and you bring up another point where we talked about due diligence, you know, there's pre due diligence, there's due diligence in the deal and there's due diligence even after, you know, it's this ongoing, you know, investment that may never pay out and you got to constantly reduce risk. And, you know, I, I bought this t-shirt, you know, I had this shirt, it says double D's like the due diligence. And it's so important that people, this guy. <laughs> <laughs> that people focus on, on due diligence before, during, and after. 
uh, because it's only going to prep them for a big deal like you had with your assisted living <clears throat> because of your experiences from the military to your beginning in flipping in real estate to to getting to your assisted living you were given and I mean not given but you you went to chase those experiences so you can prepare for assisted living and I, and I want people to realize that yes you know you're saying like hey be wary right high risk high reward um, but when you get into an operation like assisted living, um, be ready to tap into what you learned. I mean, you're talking about 24-hour operations. You're talking about succession of command, right? Someone, someone doesn't make it to the night shift. Who's in charge? And you know, mitigating your risk. I imagine there's insurance. There's so many factors yeah. that go in to that deal. But isn't there so many factors in an op order going into a mission, right? Yeah. And so <clears throat> I definitely you know, want people to be like King Kong. But remember, King Kong says, be conservative, be prepared to do the due diligence and, and don't have these like false expectations that you think though, it's going to be that easy, yeah. you know? So, yeah. I mean, that's incredible. I think that's what I, I'm, from what I heard in the, in the sidelines when I was watching you do that, I, I was thinking that whole thing. I was like, man, that's serious. But um, so that was the flipping side, right? And then you got the assisted living. But what I've noticed about you is like you keep tapping into what you were talking about before is like uh, you're not satisfied. You know, there's another purpose to keep driven because I would imagine it was very self-focusing, right, on flipping because you're like, I'm going to buy this. I'm going to get this. But now you're a loan officer. So now you have to help people especially nowadays in the market we're in, the way the interest rates are, the way the economy supposedly is, right? I imagine now you're focused on everyone, you know? It's now, how do I educate? How do I empower? How do I get them to closing? So given your loan officer experiences, what are some key advice you would give someone trying to secure their first deal? Yeah. From the loan side, right? Yeah, yeah. So... Transitioning to the lending side was like an interesting decision because like a lot of people ask me like why I chose a lot of people are like, why'd you take a step yeah, back? Why like, why, yeah. like, <laughs> like why'd you go from flipping and like all this stuff to like being a loan officer, starting a mortgage company. And it's interesting because like, like you've ran into this being a real estate agent. It's like, okay, well now how do I build a business? Right. Sure. And like yeah. for you to build a business Right. It's it's I need to hire agents. I need to build a brand. I need to, you know, like the office and physical space we're in right now is something so unique that I mean, what percentage of agents have an office like this? Right. Like yeah. like not even one percent like. And, but that's what you had to do to to build and expand the business. Uh, so like when I was flipping houses, it's like, do I really have a product or service that's best for anyone in the world or anyone in the country? I should say, do I, you know, do I really have a product or service that is best out there? Right. If it's your brother buying somewhere or my brother buying in California, do I have a product or service that they would be dumb not to not to use it because it's that good? And when I was flipping houses, I didn't really have that. I couldn't be like, hey, if your grandma passed away and your mom's trying to sell their house in Colorado Springs, they need to sell it to me. I'm going to give you the highest cash offer. I'll give you a good offer. I'll, I'll give you a good offer. I'll close in seven days. But like, am I really the best offer for you? Uh, debatable. You know, it depends on the problems you have, right? So 
I realized after being a realtor for a while, after getting my loan officer license, now I originally got my loan officer license because I just wanted to hack the burn method. Yeah. And I'm like, I just want to see behind the curtain <laughs> lending, right? I just want to see yeah. behind the curtain. And then once I saw that behind the curtain, I was like, hey, like I can actually build a business where I can get super, super, super competitive rates to people in a way that most companies can't. And so when I realized if I go build it, right, it's like if you build it and they will come, right, like the baseball stadium thing. And so my goal then became to build a business where it was so good that the only reason someone doesn't use a company is because they don't know about them. And so that's what Jordan and I have been trying to build. And, you know, we're only four months live now, but the goal is, you know, take over Veterans United, right? Because Veterans United does more VA loans than any other company in the country. Yep. And when we compete with them, let's just say we are very excited to compete with them on any given day because, in my opinion, I don't think they serve veterans very well. Um, and so that's kind of like why I decided to get into lending. And then, you know, the day-to-day is right just serving clients because I still originate. I'm not just the owner of the company. I'm broker owner and, you know, still originate. So, um, you know, day-to-day is just helping clients, you know, get pre-approved, get under contract. Um, so, you know, right now it's doing both, right? The business ownership stuff, expanding, getting licensed in more states. Right now we're only licensed in eight states, uh, but trying to expand. And then on the day-to-day, you know, always answer your phone, right? So right now, you know, on the podcast, my phone's on silent. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm going to have to get back to the phones right after this. So, No, I love this because here is where we start getting into, like, expertise, mm-hmm. and true professionalism. Right. Um, because if you think about it, <clears throat> you started in your background in the army and then the transition into real estate and then the transition from flipping to now lending uh, or, you know, investor. Yeah. There's so many, there's so many things y- you're able to advise clients now right. from like, like you just talked about, how do you scale a business? Mm-hmm. Well, you're going to tell those borrowers, how do you scale being a homeowner? Right. Cause you're able to to relate to them and be empathetic like we talked about. And I love that. You know, we talked about the brand. You know, it's so funny. You're like, you know, you want to go head-to-head with VU, and you're right, you know. Uh, Like Grant Cardone says, he always like, you hate me, but now you know me. (laughs) And it's like, you got to keep showing up. But when you show up, you start thinking like, no, I can offer a better service. Mm -hmm. You know, the product's the same, right? Right, it's a commodity. Yeah, yeah, but I I can present that commodity more effectively i right. can nurture the, the 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 consumer who's gonna mm-hmm. you know experience that commodity and so no it's just so it's so incredible uh just to hear this because again like we are here to tell veterans that they have the tools the experiences to apply it and create not only an investing portfolio but now a business right you know and right. I would imagine your experience as an investor, you know, you're probably, it's probably helped you as a loan officer, you know, because now you're able to reverse engineer, like, is this a good deal or not? Listen, you're probably not going to get the return you want because of X, Y, and Z, and this is your holding costs and closing costs. You're able to, like, really illustrate that. Like, what do you think about that, especially now? I would agree. I would say, you know, if, if a 1031 exchange is involved in a, yeah. a, a transaction, is like, yeah. yep, done that. If, um, you know, I helped a client out who was buying his, his fifth property, and most of them are all multifamily, and really, 
you know, it really matters how you file your tax returns. It really matters how your leases look, right? It matters if you're going to try to do short-term rentals, Airbnb. How are you capturing that income, right? Your loan officer is going to hate your CPA. Your CPA is going to hate your loan officer, right? Because one's trying to write off yeah. the most and one's trying to find as much income as possible. So it's very delicate. And, um, you know, probably the, the, the best service I offer is actually not closing any single loan, but someone coming to me two years out from wanting to buy a property and say, hey, how should I file my taxes? next year and the year after. And I'll say, talk to your CPA, but you know, from a showing income standpoint, here's the debt to income ratio, here's what you're gonna have to have to, to buy this type of property. And what a lot of veterans don't realize is, especially veterans in real estate like us, VA loan is the trump card. If you're trying to buy a, you know, I just helped, helped I just closed my first, multi, or I just closed my first deal north of 1 million on VA, which was like a big milestone for me, uh, because I, you know, you know I could do it, but most of our veterans are not buying that high. Yeah. Um, but most of us that are veterans in real estate want to buy a baller house someday, right? And now you already have, right? But like, I have it, right? Oh. So like the VA loan is this trump card that, that people don't realize. Like, if you go above the county loan limit conventional, like, you know, usually around 726, like your conventional loan rate will go from like decent to like super unfavorable oh, yeah, for jumbo. People don't know this though, yeah. but for VA, you go above that loan limit. If you have your eligibility, you're good. That interest rate actually probably is going to keep going down a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And so if you bought a VA loan at $2 million, you're probably going to get a better interest rate than if you bought a VA loan at 500K. Yeah, it's unfair. And so it's like, now I'm like orchestrating my real estate and stuff so that in like two or three years, I have my full VA eligibility so that I can buy a nice house, you know, in, in a couple of years from now. But I wouldn't know that unless I've kind of looked at everything and been like, okay, cool, I need to free up my eligibility to go do this. And so, you know, I think a good loan officer provides most of their value outside of any one given transaction to be like, hey, here's what you're trying to do. Are you trying to accumulate more rentals? Okay, well, how many more can you get under personal financing if you stay at the same W-2 job? Okay, now we got to move to DSCR products or products that don't look at your debt or don't look at your income, et cetera. So that kind of ability to offer a, a game plan and be an advisor to that game plan is, um, is something that, right, your call center loan officer at like X, Y, or Z company is not going to be able to do. Now, our goal is to not just be able to advise like that, but also come in hot with the best products and services as well when it comes time for that, you know, the one-off transactions. But being a part of any investor or borrower's journey from their first time home buying all the way through is now something I could do from a loan off perspective that like even before when I was like practicing realtor in Springs, it's, it's kind of harder to stay involved when they PCS and stuff like that. But now being loan offs in multiple states, um, that's kind of the goal is to kind of be involved throughout someone's um, kind of journey in real estate. No, I mean, I love it because, you know, obviously I'm a, a real estate licensed professional and I hold lenders near and dear to my heart. Mm -hmm. um, you, you know, I am a pretty, pretty scrutinize a lot of lenders and definitely trust you. I always tell lenders that they're the, they're a warlock. They're like the Merlin to the borrower, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I always tell people like, yo, you want to expand an empire where you're going to need a Merlin, right? you know? And right. Merlin's there advising, creating these products and, and, and literally casting the loan, right? Yeah. That, that's really what it is. Yeah. And so I, I think it's so important that that's what you're explaining is like, 
lenders are able to advise and able to adapt someone's situation and lead them to the closing or lead them to getting approved, right? Right. And 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 that takes time, and it goes back to what we were talking about as being a veteran. Like you empathize with them. You know, they mm. may not have the education of like I don't really file my tax as well. I do it on TurboTax. Sure. Right. Well, let's let's get a professional. Yeah. Right to give you those tax strategies. And I love how you were saying is like you're able to like allocate the right resources and you build a trusted uh, network. And it's so funny. I always tell real estate professionals like you don't have to be an expert in everything, but you definitely should know like a hundred. It, like th- there was a perspective at school. They used to say like the education is a mile long and only a football field deep mm-hmm. because that's why there's a tax accountant. That's why there's an insurance agent. Right. You know, let them go deep with the borrower, but you should have the ability to touch every surface as a professional um, so you can guide them the right way. So I think that's incredible experience and incredible advice for for veterans. Now, speaking about more advice, right? So from your perspective, given everything we've talked about, why should veterans consider real estate? And don't don't be don't, it's okay to be yeah. biased. <laughs> no, I I I won't necessarily be as biased as I am. Um I hope this doesn't come across as condescending, but like if you're in the military and I say this as a veteran myself, you're probably not like inventing the next electric car, right? Like we are not that smart, Brian. Like we're not. Like Understood. Agree or disagree? Agree, acknowledge. Like I, I'm not going to go oh. invent something that's like, you know, there's been some, rocket there's surgery. Been some. Like no, hundred percent, hundred percent. So, so hear me out. If that's you and you want to go change, like life changing tech, do it. go do it. And like you are, you're blowing me out of the water, right? <laughs> like it, you, you sell your tech company at like a 10x, whatever it's called. Congrats. Like, yeah, but like, at least I felt this way as a veteran. I am not that smart. Even, okay, even when I, was a, when I was a young lieutenant, I decided, okay, you have extra money coming in as a lieutenant, right? What do I do? Do I want to, and I don't want to just, I'm already maxing out my Roth IRA and Roth TSP. What do I do with my extra money, okay? We all were probably there at one point. And it's like, okay, I'm maxing out my Roth IRA, Roth TSP, which is what my econ professor said to do. And now I have extra money, what should I do? Should I day trade stocks or should I do real estate? right? Like that was my fork in the road. And I was like, I was management major. I went to Wall Street. I saw computers trading at the speed of light. I am not smart enough to day trade stocks. Now, if I really dedicated myself to it, maybe I'd be 10 times like more well off now. But I chose real estate because it's like, man, I'm not, I'm not that bright. Like I'm, I'm smartish, but I'm not like inventing anything crazy. Like that's not me. So again, maybe limiting belief, but that's one reason to do real estate is like, hey, I can go work hard, uh, be a problem solver, because real estate, you know, where, where there's people, there's problems, and there's real problems that need to be solved. So you can work hard, you can sol- be a problem solver, be, you know, y- you need a lot of things to be a good real estate professional. Again, work hard, you need to be a problem solver, you need to be able to empathize with people, you have to be good interrelationally. Um, you have to be able to, you know, set your pride aside a lot for, for different transactions and things. Right. So you need to bring a lot to the table and 
I think that lines up very well with military personnel who are able to kind of get over their own fear, help other people get over fear. A lot of being a loan officer and a realtor is that leadership through the transaction of like, hey, hey, that's actually not an insane offer. That's actually fair, right? Even though you thought, hey, there's five other offers, so obviously it's not crazy, right? So bringing all those skills to bear, I think real estate lines up very well with the same skill set that the military recruits for and looks for. And it's not like necessarily that guy with like the perfect SAT score mm -hmm. that's like yeah. going to Too get technical. his post-grad doctorate and like yeah. creating the next vaccine, which is freaking amazing and awesome. But that just wasn't my skill set, wasn't your skill set, but we're able to find like our competencies and it matches well with real estate. And so for other veterans, I would say, why get into real estate? Well, don't just get into real estate, like do a self-assessment. And if your skill set is separate, if your skill set is like you really like being an engineer and like doing the, you know, the as X approaches infinity calculus and like building the bridge and stuff, do that, you know, and, and, and build real estate into that, you know, buying houses, creating wealth over time. But uh, don't necessarily like jump into like becoming an agent or becoming a loan officer or starting, you know, a real estate company or flip houses, right? These are all like separate from just, I shouldn't say just, but of like buying houses more passively. So I think everyone, veteran or not, should use real estate to accumulate generational wealth through buying houses, et cetera, first house rental, et cetera. And that's separate. I see that very separate from entering a profession in real estate, like being an agent, being a loan officer, et cetera. So again, to summarize, I think everyone should buy real estate and invest in real estate over time. But as a veteran, do a self-assessment. And if you think your skill set matches it and real estate energizes you, then jump in. There's, it's a great profession. It, it, it keeps you on your toes. It helps you build a lot of meaningful relationships. And you could also make some really good money. Um, which, you know, is, is a big part of it too. But again, I think do that self-assessment. And if you think it aligns with your skills, then jump right in. Man, I'm motivated. Sign me up, right? Sign me up. I mean... You've already been signed up, right? I know, I know. <laughs> Quite a Sign few years now. Again. Sign yeah, me yeah. up again. Um, it's an it's a anniversary. But uh, it's so good to hear this because this is like the purpose of this is to give people like a way to win, you know? And I feel, I love how you invigorate it. Like one, you tell them you need to check yourself at the door. You need to do a self-assessment. Are you going to be Elon Musk? Are you going to, you know, be a heart surgeon or whatever, right? You're not. You're, if you're not, then you need to really look at what the army has given you, what the Navy, what the Air Force, regardless, whatever service entity has given you. And they literally train you to handle everything in real estate. It's, it's so good to hear that because that's going to give confidence to people because, they you know, the typical thing is like, because you were infantry, right, Hull? No, as am I. <laughs> I just happened to go to ranger, ranger school. school. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But like, you know, the, the common debate is like, oh, I'm an infantryman. What do I do when I get out? What do you mean? What do you do with it? You solve problems, right? And what and if you, if you push it a little further in real estate, you fought, potentially lost something sacrifice something, God forbid you, you passed away for the benefits of the VA loan. And that's what you were talking about. Like the Trump card is the VA loan. Like you put that on anywhere. It's like, dude, why wouldn't you utilize this? 
You fought for that benefit. So you should give yourself the opportunity to enjoy that profession, you know, and then leverage, like you're saying, to build financial stability off the benefit that you fought for. Like it blows my mind. And sometimes I feel that the government doesn't want the veterans to really know the power of the VI, the VA loan, the GI Bill, whatever disability, you know, all these benefits that we fight for. Because if they really unlock the power of the VA loan, I think it would be a waterfall of just a tsunami of just volume. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, like, you know, when I bought my first, my first property with the VA loan, it was a quadplex, you know? And so, but it took me to, I was a captain, which, you know? Yeah. 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 Let me hit on that because yeah, yeah. this is just quick aside yeah, and kind of technical on your yeah, fourplex, yeah. right? You know, let's say, let's say someone wants to go buy a fourplex today. Okay. Do you remember your interest rate on that fourplex? It was actually was it high? 4.5 Okay, something. so it's kind of medium. 2013. Yeah, so yeah. not like the, the 2.5s yeah, we, no. we saw a year ago. Ridiculous. So let's say someone wants to go buy a fourplex today, lieutenant or captain. Yeah, right? we have J&J doing it right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, okay, great, right? So let's say uh, – now, who wants to buy fourplexes? Usually someone who has one two, 200K in their bank account doesn't want to go buy a fourplex. Like they're, they're yeah. kind of well off, right? Yeah. They're trying to buy the house in the Broadmoor. Like the people buying fourplexes are people who want to hustle, want a house hack, and want to, you know, want to sacrifice their lifestyle a little bit to build some wealth. And so usually people that want to buy fourplex, threeplex don't want to put down or can't, even if they wanted to put down 10, 15, 20% can't. All right. So let's say you want to go buy a fourplex today. Okay. Now, what do you have? Conventional VA FHA. Okay, cool. Conventional, well, guess what? Minimum down payment goes to 15%, not five, when you get into multifamily. All right, cool. Want to buy a fourplex? You need to put 15% down. Who has 150K to bring to the closing table? Cash on top of reserves. All right, so conventional is out. Now, FHA. FHA for threeplex, fourplex used to be great when interest rates were 2.5. Now they all have to pass a self-sufficiency test. And so now that they have to pass a self-sufficiency test, pretty much no one could buy pretty much almost all three fourplexes Ask your loan officer about it. If say, hey, here's the rents, here's the purchase price with the interest rates, does this pass the self-sufficiency test? Almost all the time, now that interest rates are high, none of them nope. are passing the self-sufficiency test. So who are the only buyers who can buy with zero to 5% down for threeplex and fourplex? Conventional? No. Like let's say I have a, a cousin who didn't serve and he wants to buy a fourplex, where's your 15%? Because you can't do 3.5% FHA. So you may not have, you, you, you probably thought of this because you, you deal with this day to day, but if someone like, if someone wants to buy a threeplex or fourplex, or even on the listing side, if you have a good threeplex or fourplex listing, what type of buyer do you want? That better be a VA buyer. If I was a listing agent and I had a threeplex or fourplex, I would pretty much damn near just look for VA offers because 0% down, very favorable doesn't have to pass a self-sufficiency test and lowest interest rates. And oh, by the way, the VA loan is the only loan that doesn't have a hard and fast at debt to income ratio. So, you know, we've all closed loans where you know 70, 80% debt to income because the VA loan is that forgiving with the right guidelines. Um, so just to highlight, I, I just want to do a quick technical aside to show the power of the VA loan because a lot of people don't think about the technicalities behind it. So if someone wanted to rinse and repeat what you did and buy that fourplex, VA loan is pretty much their only option right now. Oh, no, you, you killed it because that was actually 
one of the things I wanted to ask is what do you do to, what, what would you tell to a veteran on their first investment? And boom, you just gave an incredible example. And really you're saying, dude, the loan terms for a VA is, inc- is, is, is almost unbeatable, especially it if it's your first deal. It is unbeatable, period. And, and what's also is that it's also owner occupied. So meaning you can live in one and you can rent the others, obviously if it supports the debt service, but you are not paying the open market rent. You know, how much is a rent in El Paso? Right. How much is rent here in Colorado Springs? It's growing. And we talked about affordability isn't going to get easier. Yeah. It's not going to get easier yeah. for the renters either. Right. So it's right. like, take advantage now, time value of money, look at the loan terms. I mean, it's it's incredible. Like how like I, and it's so sad, like we're going to have this conversation mm-hmm. again. Yeah. And we're going to revisit this. And right. we're going to be like, how many people, you know, took advantage right. of it? And, right, right. And it's so, right. man, it's, it's yeah, crazy. Uh, yeah, something has a, you know, if any realtors or loan officers are watching, right, like if you have a buyer that has cold feet, one thing to just ask them to look at is, cool, okay, America affordability is less than it was in COVID, right, mm-hmm. low interest yeah. rates, and people are like, oh, it's so unaffordable. And it's like, okay, well, let's just, let's have some perspective. America is still twice as affordable as anywhere in Europe. America is 1.5 times as affordable as anywhere in Canada. If you look at like parts of China, it's literally 10 times more affordable than trying to buy in China. What way do you think affordability is going to go in America? Do you think like fiscal policies just like, just look, no, like I I would like someone to honestly look at like macroeconomics and be like, home prices are going to be much more affordable 20 years from now or 10 years from now or five years from now, right? Interest rates are high. Home prices have kind of dropped a little bit. Do Right. Like people are scared to buy for sure, but I don't think anyone could really make a good argument to me that affordability is going to go down in our lifetime. It's kind of unfortunate. 2008 was a one off and I don't think affordability is going anywhere but up. And so that actually makes right now a really, really good time to buy while rates are high. Home prices are relatively low. If we had another collapse, okay, cool, interest rates will probably drop and you could refinance. And you know, if interest rates keep going up to eight, nine, ten percent, then your your six and a, your six and a half was pretty damn good. Especially with the VA, because it's loan assumptions. Right. You know? Yeah. So, you know, it's funny, I always say the argument for affordability is yeah, things may get affordable, but the house that you want will be probably half of the size. Mm. You know what I'm saying? I'm feeling like yeah, you could be able to afford something in the future, but mm-hmm. it's definitely not going to be near what you could have had. Does that make sense? Right, you know, right. I feel like apartments, you see that in the commercial side where apartments are getting smaller mm-hmm. and smaller. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're increasing the amenities, but your living space, I mean, it, they just can't sustain. Homes right. are cheaper than, like the quality mm-hmm. that you're going to get is going to be cheaper. So people don't understand that. And um, what you're talking about is time value of money, man. Like the world is is getting tougher to live to. And so, no, this is incredible. Now, you know, you and I, we could talk all day about real estate, but let's talk a little bit something personal. Because beyond this work that you and I do within mm-hmm. the real estate built environment, mm-hmm. what are some passions or hobbies you do on your spare time that are maybe help facilitating your drive in real estate or just things that help you kind of take a tactical pause, yeah. right? You know, anything yeah. like that? Yeah, I, you know, I think there's certain activities that are just kind of cathartic that, you know, kind of just re-energize you. 
I'm a very competitive person, so anything sports related, sports related. I love basketball, frisbee. Yeah. Um, I also like capturing things, whether it's moments, videos, you know, making reels and, and photography, things like that. Um, so yeah, those are a couple of them. I'm, I I don't have too much time for hobbies as much as I'd I like. No, we don't. Uh, but yeah, you know, I I um, try to stay, you know, get in the gym and and do stuff like that. I actually. I don't know if we've talked about it, but I got medically discharged for a, a, a odd autoimmune issue called cholinergic urticaria, which essentially anytime I work out, I get super itchy. Um, oh. So it's made like running and things like that super, super tough. But I try to still get out there and run and work yeah. out uh, because, you know, I mean, you know, perform better in, in every aspect of life. So, yeah, those yeah. are my hobbies. No, that's good. I love yeah. how you talk about capturing the moment and staying healthy. Because I'll yeah, tell you this, yeah. man, you know, weak mind, weak body. So, um, you know, given everything, what's the one thing you know about real estate now that you wish you knew before? So basically just telling that young veteran, you know, what should, you know, what, what's the one thing, you know, Hmm. and it, it, you know, don't, yeah, that's that's just something that maybe comes to mind. Yeah. 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 Without a doubt, do this. Sure. Um, I would say just buy early and buy often. And real estate will be a make your own adventure. If you if you want to slowly accumulate rentals over time, right? You can do that. And and it's great, right? I have a friend Paul who bought one to two at each duty station. Now as a captain, he has six properties. Right? But you look at most 30-year-olds, right? That's he's crushing it. <laughs> no, is. seriously. He is. Like you know, and most most of them are multifamily or a couple of them are multifamily, yeah, right? Course. And then, you know, I have friends like Adonis who didn't flip, didn't really buy off market, but were just super, super aggressive on buying more and more multifamily. And it wasn't one every duty station. It was multiple every duty station. And you got to help him out with one of those transactions, which yeah. was legit. But he's 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 surpassed 40 units now. Oh, and he's yeah. an active duty captain, right? So I would say buy early and buy often. And when I say adventures make your own, or make your own adventure, I mean... Whether you want to buy a house every other duty station or go go ham on buying off market or flipping, you can do it within real estate. And so, yeah, I would say don't don't be afraid to buy. Do your due diligence. Find the right people. Find the right players to work with, realtors, loan officers, et cetera, and keep buying. Oh, I love it. No, you're just reminding me. I got to keep buying. Yeah. You know, yeah. worst case scenario. You pay down that debt service, right? You know, right. you get appreciation along the way. Absolutely. And then there's so many more opportunities that open up once equity starts building, and it mm-hmm. takes time, right, to really build the equity, right? So you can start playing with your being portfolio. patient. Yeah, yeah. And so, no, that's good. Buy it's early, discipline. Buy often. It's discipline, though, to to hold. A lot of times, it's discipline to hold to not yeah. sell. Yeah. No, without a doubt. Now, here's some fun questions. If you could have dinner with a historical figure, who would it be and why? Just name one. Name one. Name I'm one. saying Jesus so that oh, I could okay. ask him all the questions okay, that Jesus. are not answered in the True. Bible or maybe are in the Bible but aren't visible to the human eye, right? That relationship of faith and yeah. belief and proof. I think I think everyone would want to eat with that man. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, that's awesome. Now, 
if I made a movie about you, who would you want to play you? Whoa. Uh, Jeremy Lin. Jeremy Lin. Because he's better th- at basketball than I. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like the basketball <laughs> no. player? Yeah, yeah. Um, That's so funny. I don't know. I don't know. I, I, or any I don't celebrity. Know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, no one comes to mind. Nobody? No. I feel like Keanu Reeves should play you. Really? Yeah. A little, just kind of quiet. <laughs> yeah, kind of quiet, reserve, yeah. something yeah. like that. I love it. Yeah. No, I like a little tongue twister, a little, little, little game there. Um, so you shared so much valuable advice. Where can our listeners find, reach you, wherever? Like, list them out. Yeah. So our website, if you would like to apply for mortgage in a state we're licensed in, is evolutionmortgage.com. Um, we, we've built our company in a way to where we want to try to get the most competitive products to our, our clients. We're toying out with our compliance attorneys right now if we can do like a best rate guaranteed program where we literally stand behind it in like a monetary sense, which there's a lot of compliance in, that goes into that. It's It, it could be a, a, a marketing like violation to just be like, oh, I have the best rates and you can't stand behind it. So like lenders can't just throw up a Facebook ad that's like, I have the best rates, that's a trigger term, right? So there's a lot of like compliance that goes into that, but we're looking to do that. So evolutionmortgage.com, um, check out our licensing. We may not be licensed in your state. Uh, on Instagram, uh, your next loan is my um, my uh, tag. Yep. Your next loan with underscores in between the words, um, and then on Facebook, just uh, find me Mark Kong. Um, I'm nowhere near my friend limit, so just go ahead and send me a friend request. <laughs> so, uh, oh, yeah. after this show, you will be uh, okay. <laughs> no, that's good, man. Watch out, VU and guaranteed rate uh, yeah, Evolution yeah. Mortgage. Now, at the end of all this, what's next? Like, do you have any exciting things? What's next on the horizon? I'm so laser focused with Jordan right now on building the loan company because so few people, right? Like we're closing 22 loans this month, which is a lot for two producers, right? We're each closing over a dozen about, um, or sorry, not a dozen, mm-hmm. over, yeah. over 10. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> My math didn't math. It's okay. Um, so, you know, but but in reality, that's such a tiny population, right? And and we really believe based off where our rates are and where other people's rates are, like anyone who's not using us is probably getting Disservice. probably getting a worse rate. So it's like, okay, well, now how do we go hire loan officers? Well, the loan officers maybe having to be willing to take a little bit lower comp than they were making at, you know, X, Y, or Z company, but, you know, access to better rates and stuff like that. So Jordan and I are now looking like, okay, how do we bring on people that share our same values. And because Jordan and I can't serve a lot of clients ourselves, like we're probably maxed out at him serving 20, me doing 20 a a month, that's 40. But like, that's like, we believe we could expand the company to serve, you know, not only eight states, get up to 15 plus states. Um, And then also, right, our, our main clients are real estate agents. And being able to support agents with uh, buyers who are willing to get off the sidelines, right? A lot of agents, their preferred lender has X, Y, or Z rate. They, a, lot, lot, a lot of agents, their preferred lender doesn't even have a par rate. Like they need to bake in a point or point and a half to even get something on the rate sheet. And so, and, and then like, you know, so we tell agents, well, let us get them a quote and it's, it's getting buyers off the sidelines to where agent wasn't going to close a deal, wasn't going to earn a commission. And now it's like, well, hey, you know, we quoted them this rate, and now they're kind of wanting to go shop again. Because it, it wasn't a big jump, but it was enough to kind of re- reinvigorate them uh, and have that little bit more confidence and go out and shop. Because all our buyers are having second thoughts right now with where rates are. So we think by bringing our kind of competitive products and services to agents, mainly we're going to help them close more deals. 
And so that's what we're trying to do. We're going to need to bring on more people to do that. And it's just so much work that the loan industry is the opposite of passive income, right? Yeah. So, so you know, I did did my uh, did my flipping, got the passive income, and now it's like, all right, let's let's rock and roll. So that's what's next for me. I'm I'm gonna really, you know, me and Jordan both going to be super laser focused on it, and and see where we can go. No, I love it. You know, and regardless, man, the equalizer, like you said, man, is really nurturing them, educating them on their options. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, we talked about it, just how to take advantage of a quadplex, right? right? So I'm more than confident that you're going to provide them an incredible option so they can make an informed decision. Yeah. That's what really matters, right. you know, when you give them that confidence. So, no, this is incredible. Thank you so much for coming. Yeah. I can't wait to hear the feedback get this out there, get your story out there, because we have to keep inspiring veterans to take action in real estate. Yeah, you know? yeah. So no, thank you, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, no really doubt, no doubt, you. no doubt. Yeah. <laughs>